Mm. Good soup. Good salsa. Welcome on in to Good Time Sports, episode 64. My name is Cullen Brown, and I am joined today by co-host producer Andrew Maloney. We've got a lot to talk about in the sports world today on December 4th, 2023. NHL, college basketball, NBA, college football, NFL, this day in sports. Let's not waste any time and get in some action. Could have gone a little bit longer there. I know. <clears throat> I just, I was, I was thinking of it like when I was, you know, you had the music playing, and I was just like, screw it, let's just, you know, quick intro, quick, you know, everything. Let's hop right into it, man. Without any further ado, the NHL season is in full swing. Chell, the Chell season. I'm gonna quickly rattle off the standings here while Andrew, I think, still is chewing on a chip. Um, in the Atlantic, good chip, good chip, good salsa. Uh, in the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins still lead, followed by the Florida Panthers, Detroit Red Wings, Toronto Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay Lightning, Montreal Canadiens, Buffalo Sabres, and the Ottawa Senators. In the Metropolitan, the Rangers lead, followed by the Hurricanes, Capitals, Islanders, Flyers, Penguins, New Jersey Devils, and Columbus Blue Jackets. Over in the West, the Avalanche take the lead in the Central, followed by the Stars, the Jets, Coyotes, Blues, Predators, Wild Blackhawks, and around it out in the Pacific, the Golden Knights lead the way, followed by the Canucks, Kings, Flames, Kraken, Ducks, Oilers, and those San Jose Sharks. The uh, NHL has kind of come back to reality, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> where yeah. basically everyone's within reach of, or everyone at the top of the standings is like kind of similar in points. Obviously, a seven-point lead by Boston over the Panthers is very surmountable, you know. Or like an eight-point lead with the Rangers over the Hurricanes. Right. So, yeah. it yeah, it's early. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we say it every week. No, it, but it is early, and it's it doesn't mean that there isn't something we can learn from like the weeks that we're watching hockey and everything. Well, now teams are really starting to become who we're going to see the rest of the year. Yeah. You know, they're starting to make those tweaks. You know, those little yes. adjustments. Yeah. And you know, some teams have gone on. It's really those a team's first losing skid that tells you everything you need to know about how they're going to bounce back and move forward. So very true. Um, every team now has a good amount of losses under their belt. I mean, the stars have five, the avalanche have seven, the Knights have five, the Bruins have four, the Rangers have four. So how do you bounce back? Right. Mm-hmm. How do you respond um, and sorry, that's just losses, not including overtime losses. So um, in 24 games, you take a loss in, what? what is that, seven of those games, 10 for the Panthers, only five for the Rangers, which is just nuts. That's actually insane. But look, the, the point I'm trying to make is that these teams are still winning. They're still... Uh, putting points in the standings, and that's really all that matters at this point. They're responding well. They're making the tweaks that they need to make. The adjustments are coming in, um, and the Stars still stuck in overtime. <laughs> Not as much as the Kraken do, because the Kraken actually yeah. hold the Western Conference. Let me double-check. Okay, so they're tied for the NHL lead in overtime losses. You're with the Islanders, New York Islanders. Um, I don't know when you passed along that beautiful gift that you all had last season, but uh, please take it back. 
Well, <laughs> please take it back. You guys are losing in overtime, but the Stars still have the gift of losing within a minute in overtime. Oh, yeah. Because the Stars the love ones. to start overtime, lose the puck, and then lose the game. Yeah, just kind of starting off in the back. Like, three-on-three three is not made for the Dallas Stars. It's not back foot, back skate, I guess. Would that be the correct term? Yeah. Back skate? Back skate. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> back skate. I just do not let the puck get into the star zone because you're losing the game. So that's fair. And I think, you know, the stars, this is not a division that either one of us expected them to run away with. Um, obviously, the Avalanche are a very competitive team. They're a couple seasons removed from winning the whole dang thing. Um, you know, Winnipeg Jets, obviously, they get credit for, you know, competing the way they, they do. Um, but yeah, no, it's just to me, the stars. Um, like you said, are becoming more of themselves. Um, they're starting to realize, okay, you know, we have a successful formula. You know, we're still one of the best offenses in the league. As they, I mean, they're currently taking on the Lightning in a back-to-back situation. Um, they just dropped eight goals, you know, yeah. in a win. So Boy. the offense is their key to success, but they did realize after, you know, coming up short against the Golden Knights that defense needs to be a key to that as well. Yep. So, so I'm interested to see how they develop yep. over time. I mean, I, I do think it's... It's a good thing, though, that with one of the best teams in NHL, we're taking them to the wire. So, And this happened last year, too, with the Knights. I think every single one of our games, bar one, was an overtime win or loss. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, winning in regulation is good not only for blood pressure's sake, but also the fans' sake. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Um, Vegas still looks really good. (laughs) Yeah, Vegas is just... They're just so loaded with talent, and they have a lot of nice contracts um, locked in, so... Is there a how big of a possibility do you give them of being a potential dynasty in the NHL? Um, I mean, if we're being honest, they haven't ever missed the playoffs, right? Well, I mean, like you know, in the short franchise history, right? But it's now what year six? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, would you count a dynasty as you know just making the playoffs or actually winning the? Whole, no, I mean the definitely league? winning the cup. But right, I mean, if we're if we're talking about, you know, the potential to become a dynasty, that definitely increases those chances. Right. So, um, I'd say like a seventy-five percent chance that the Knights become a dynasty. Okay. So fairly, fairly high, I would say. Yeah. You're at seventy-five. Yeah. Interesting. Um, moving on over to the East, uh, Panther, Panther. Um, even though they're on a, you know, they lost their last game and everything, they've looked really impressive. Kind of, you know, as of late. They, to me, um, still, I believe, can give Boston trouble. Obviously, yeah. you know, they won the series against the Bruins last year in the first round. Um, as an eight seed. <laughs> right, as an eight seed. And, you know, they obviously went on that incredible run, got to the Stanley Cup. We all know the history. Yep. Um, how, I guess, in your opinion, because I've watched a few Panthers games, and they still, to me, uh, you know, play with a lot of energy. They really seem to kind of know who they are more so less now than what they probably were. Um, they've got a kind of nice mix of young and older talent. What would you like to see from the Panthers in order for them to maybe take that next leap in your opinion? I don't know because they kind of already are <clears throat> headed in the right direction. I mean, you're, this is a team that you got to remember set the record before Boston broke it mm-hmm. of like the best, best team like best points wise ever 
Yeah. Um, and this was a few, few years removed, obviously. Then the Lightning, this was after the Lightning, and then now the Bruins have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you to do that and then fall to barely coming into the playoffs, but then bouncing back and responding in a way that you beat the best team ever mm-hmm. to play the game of hockey and then go all the way to the finals. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you lose in the finals, but you made it to the finals. Right. So um, I think they're already headed in the, in the right direction. They just have to, they struggle a lot just defensively. Um, it, it's one of those situations where it's like, it's, it's one or the other, either the offense is on or the defense is on. And if they can find a more balanced game, a more balanced approach to playing each game, they're going to be just fine. So more complimentary hockey. Yeah. I mean, Kachuk's also another year older. He's another year wiser. Of course. You know, in his mid-20s, so obviously he's, you know, expected to be the guy again. In his prime. Yeah. This is prime time for Kachuk, so. 100%. Um, In the Metropolitan, the Hurricanes were a team we talked about a lot last year. They've kind of seemed to kind of gain some momentum, kind of maybe trying to bridge the gap a little bit to the Rangers, yeah. although the Rangers are on a three-game win streak. The Rangers the Rangers are also going to come down to earth, just like the Bruins. Um, it's really difficult to maintain this kind of momentum, especially in such a physical game. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, we did say that about the Bruins last year and then ended up breaking yeah. records. But yeah. uh, point being, too, though, is just, yeah, the momentum – Momentum in hockey is winning five, six straight and Mm -hmm. then losing Um, versus (laughs) basketball where we see in the NBA, we do see 10, 12, 13 game win streaks, you know, Um, it's very, it's much more difficult um, in hockey, obviously, because it is a much more um, physical game. So Mm -hmm. I think Carolina is going to be fine. They have obviously a chance to win this division. um, And I think they're headed in the right direction to do that. So. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, still viable, I think, Stanley Cup competitor. Without a doubt. Speaking of Stanley Cup, uh, one of the teams that I had picked to not only make it to the Stanley Cup, but win the Stanley Cup, the Edmonton Oilers. They currently are on a four-game win streak. tied for the longest in the Western Conference with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, listen, man, uh, <laughs> if they if they crawl out of that hole that they dug themselves in after the tumultuous you know, start to the season... I listen, man. This Oilers team. I mean, you. you we already talked about uh, McDavid, Drysital. Sometimes all it takes is a coaching change, man. Maybe, and it just may be the difference in, you know, something that. I, I don't know. I, it's just it feels like a different vibe when I'm watching the Oilers now, and I I don't want to like jinx them too early, but no, but it's true. Yeah, hockey. I think hockey is. It is a weird sport in that they fire coaches and hire new coaches and let new coaches take over in the exact same season. Yeah. It's more commonplace. Yeah. Versus football. You have an interim head coach and then, you know, the next season, the new guy takes over and that's that basketball. You don't see it much where they're firing a guy and then hiring the next guy immediately either. Like maybe soccer and hockey are the two sports that do it. Cause even baseball doesn't do it either. So, um, it makes a difference, and we are seeing it with the Oilers. Obviously, the Oilers are still setting second to last in the entire NHL. Um, but winning four straight is headed in the right direction. So it's something. It's not everything, but it's you're four games away from being 500 on the year. That is something. So right, that that means something. 
500 at the end of the season will get you into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you work hard now, get there, and then you're just simply maintaining that record, and it becomes a lot easier. So I agree. Um, anything else you want to touch on? I mean, like you said, we're we're getting into the point where now teams are going to start stretching out their legs, you know, for lack of a better term. So, um, yeah, I think we're we're getting in there. Hockey yeah. season's really starting to take shape right before our very eyes. This is the month that it starts, really. Oh yeah, it is, and um, something else is starting to take shape. Yes, it is, and we're going to switch gears now and take it over to the college basketball ranks. All right, I'm going to run through the AP Top 25, and we're going to talk some college basketball. At number one, Arizona. Number two, Kansas. Number three, Houston. As an ad pops out on my screen. Number four, Purdue. Number five, UConn. Number six, Baylor. Number seven, Gonzaga. Number eight, Marquette. Nine, North Carolina. Ten, Creighton. Eleven, Florida Atlantic. Twelve, Texas. Thirteen, Colorado State. Fourteen, BYU. Fifteen, Miami. Sixteen, Kentucky. Seventeen, Tennessee. Eighteen, James Madison. Nineteen, Oklahoma. Twenty, Illinois. Twenty-one, Texas A&M. Twenty-two, Duke. Twenty-three, Wisconsin. Twenty-four, Clemson. And twenty-five, San Diego State. To round it out. Um, Andrew, we've had some, you know, in-season tournaments. We've had some high-key matchups. Uh, we're now, what is it, three, four weeks in the season, roughly? Um, what are your what have been your biggest takeaways? We're going, in, we're going into week five, so. Weekend five, okay, so there we go. Um, what have been your biggest takeaways through the first month of the college basketball season, in your opinion? Oh, boy. Um, this is... I thought last year was a pretty hectic year in college basketball. Um, but this year is turning out to be a little bit crazier. Um, teams are losing earlier. Um, those undefeated records are not lasting nearly as long. Right. Um, so. A la Kansas. And yeah, a la Kansas and yeah. Purdue, mm-hmm. UConn. Yep. Um, Gonzaga, Marquette, a team that we was right, were thinking was looking unstoppable. Um, right. And then, yeah. And then you have, you know, your classics up there. You have North Carolina. Duke just had a pretty bad loss. Yeah, they, yeah. Two. Yeah, two straight. Yeah, they did lose two straight. You're completely right. So, falling all the way down to 22, they fell 15 spots. So, it's, yeah, this is college basketball at its best. Non-conference is so much fun, but... By the end of this month, now we're heading into that conference season. And so the, the thing is, is this is that era of college basketball where these tournaments have ended. These two conference challenges have come to an end, too. I know the Big 12 had their Big 12 Big East challenge. Um, and then, um, yeah, these teams are going to start playing smaller schools, more buy games, um, kind of tweaking their roster as they see fit before heading in the conference play. So mm-hmm. I think right now we're probably going to see a, a pretty good stalemate. If we see any of these top 25 teams lose, it's going to be a pretty bad loss um, because they most teams are not playing big competition right now. Yeah. Um, well, we've got some coming up later in this month, right? Cause yes. Because I, I know uh, Arizona's got a couple of games. They're currently undefeated leading at number one. I mean, they got Wisconsin and Purdue coming up and Florida Atlantic later in this month. So they've got three kind of like they are scheduling liberal. heavy non-conference, and then they have FAU. Yeah, right. And then, um, yeah, then they really kind of get into conference play after that, which 
I'm not gonna lie, they kind of look like head and shoulders above the rest of the Pac-12. Right yeah, now. I mean they're, they're the only Pac-12 team that's ranked. Yeah, so there you go. So <laughs> Kansas, um, they kind of went through their tough stretch. They don't have another ranked opponent until Oklahoma in January because they just beat UConn. So I mean, yeah, they're kind of chilling. Uh, Houston, who also got some first place votes. You, we talked about uh, off air. They're kind of more or less like kind of easing themselves into the. I, I don't think it's really arguable the toughest conference in college basketball yeah. right now. Yeah. So they're kind of taking it light. I mean, they've gotten notable wins over Utah, Dayton, Xavier. Like they're they're kind of just easing themselves into it. I so. mean, if we just look at overalls, there's only two teams who have more than two losses in the Big Twelve right now. It's Oklahoma State and West Virginia, two teams that you don't expect to be potentially in the postseason. Right. Yeah. You have Baylor, Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, TCU, all undefeated. Mm-hmm. Kansas and Texas have a loss each. Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, and UCF all have two losses. Yeah. And <laughs> that's nuts. And yeah. Tech lost to a Nova team who won the Battle for Atlantis and a very good Butler team on the road. And Iowa State had a loss to Texas A&M, who is number 12 in the country, yeah. Virginia Tech, um, which is, isn't the best loss, I guess you could say. Um Kansas State, I think, is had some pretty bad losses, if I'm not wrong. That's the Sooners. Oops. Um, point being, yeah, the Big 12 is competitive. Yeah, Kansas State lost to USC, and uh, no, to, so they lost to number 21 USC, number 12 Miami. Like, so these yeah. losses aren't anything that are like season-ending mm-hmm. at all. Um, again, yeah, this is going to be an absolutely ridiculous conference, and I do not blame Houston for going weaker non-conference, preparing for their first season, headed into conference play in what is literally a gauntlet of, mm-hmm. of basketball games. So, Now, speaking of a gauntlet, Purdue really went through a gauntlet. They're kind of, you know, in that tournament in the Maui Invitational. They've knocked off Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Marquette to win the whole thing. And then they're coming off a loss, a very close loss to a Northwestern team on the road, 92-88. They're currently beating Iowa fairly handedly um, as we get kind of early in the second half in that one. I mentioned earlier that they're going up against Arizona later in the month on December 16th. And that one is going to be a really big teller of this Purdue team. I, f- I feel like Arizona, to me, I kind of know what they are. Purdue, yes, they beat a lot of really good teams. And I'm not going to question them at all. I still think they could be potentially a Final Four team. But they have a history. They do. We know their history. We do. What I'm more concerned about with Purdue, because um, I think Arizona is... I mean, they're sensational. Yeah. Um, I'm incredible. I'm really curious to see. Caleb Love is a dog. Yeah. I mean, their whole team. I mean, they just got a bunch of them. Yeah. It's insane. Honestly. (laughs) Um, You know, obviously, you know, your bounce back um, after a loss, they're looking really good. But maintaining that kind of like momentum throughout going into conference play uh, to me is going to be huge for Purdue. And like you mentioned, I mean, Arizona is the only one kind of standing alone in the Pac-12, whereas, you know, if you look at Purdue, right, in the Big Ten, you've got some teams that I'm not saying that they're not as good at. I mean, they're clearly, I think, the cream of the crop. But, I mean, I know Illinois is ranked. Like, they're going to give them issues. Um, They've got – here, let me break down the standings. Let me pull it up real quick. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. To me, I'm more concerned with Purdue – uh, so yeah, it's the Illini. Wisconsin's also ranked. Um, the Buckeyes are seven and one. Um, they're always, you know, pretty decent, at least in terms of competing in basketball. 
So I'm going to look really to Purdue, how they handle this kind of um, last big test before they get into conference play. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. It's yeah. I, That Arizona team is going to be a tough team to beat. And if they can do that, I mean, and that's the thing too, is Zach Eddy's going to be going up against some pretty talented bigs as well on yeah. that Arizona team. So Yeah, and Arizona's, I mean, to get ready for that, they face fellow Big Ten Wisconsin. So yeah. they go Wisconsin, then Purdue. So they're going to be well equipped into the Big Ten and, you know, their kind of competition over there. So yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's that's really – there's not much more, though, uh, with college basketball. Like I said, they're going into the weaker non-conference part of basically everyone's schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a few exceptions, obviously. But, right. um, yeah, I'm excited to see how these things all kind of pan out leading into conference play at the end of the month. Yeah, I'm interested also speaking of the Big Ten. Florida Atlantic takes on Illinois on the road. The Illini. Um, that should be a good one. I'm going to you know, shout out Terrence Shannon Jr. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I tune into that one. Uh, North Carolina takes on UConn in New, you know, in New York. So in Madison Square Garden. Very interested to see that one. We're just, we're finding out, you know, we're learning more about these teams. We, we are indeed. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch in the college basketball ranks? I think I'm good. All right, let's take it over to the men that are in the in-season tournament of their own in the NBA. All righty, let's run through the standings of the Eastern Conference West, and then we'll get in some NBA. In the East, the Boston Celtics currently lead, followed by the Orlando Magic, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, New York Knicks, Indiana Pacers, Miami Heat, Cleveland Cavaliers, Brooklyn Nets, Atlanta Hawks, Toronto Raptors, Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets, Washington Wizards, and Detroit Pistons. Then over in the West, Minnesota Timberwolves still reign, followed by the Oklahoma City Thunder, Denver Nuggets, Sacramento Kings, Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks, Los Angeles Lakers, New Orleans Pelicans, LA Clippers, Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors, Utah Jazz, Portland Trail Blazers, Memphis Grizzlies, and the San Antonio Spurs. All right, so I think we'll do... Just kind of general stuff, and then we'll kind of get into the tournament. Yeah. Um, Boston, to me, I I knew how good Boston was on paper. Yeah. Right? I, I still I picked Milwaukee because I still think Damon Giannis in a postseason matchup can give Boston, even with all their defensive talent that they have, um, real problems, especially in the pick and roll. Um, to me, they, Milwaukee, though, after watching him throughout the season, needs to make a move in terms of, like, dealing with their perimeter the defense. I mean, obviously, you lose Drew Holiday. Your perimeter defense is going to suffer, but they've kind of regressed more than I thought they would. Boston, to me, is the one team in the NBA outside of even Denver, like to a lesser degree. But Boston's the one team in the NBA where I don't see another move that they can make. They, to I, me, I don't either. They, to me, are playoff ready right now. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't and see anything all, that would change that. All thanks to Bob Derek White. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> Derek White, um, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Tops, nope, Al Horford, Ball Derek White. Yeah, all, all comes down to Ball Derek White. Yep. I he, they're play they play really good basketball, man. It's just team basketball. The chemistry's there. It all just fits so well. They have the perfect fit for every situation. Yep. You need a more stable big in the middle. You take out Chris Tops. You put in Al Horford. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, yeah. No, I agree. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, Missoula, there was a lot of criticism with, you know, obviously the Udoka situation you had to move on from. Yeah. But was Missoula the right guy? I mean, there was a couple of assistants that left from that staff 
that you know some people thought may have should have been the head coach for Boston. And to his credit, Missoula, you know, after kind of a rocky first year, it seems like it's really kind of taking shape. His identity, his kind of just you know impact on this team is yep. really showing. And it's a credit to Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics front office organization in believing in Missoula. I absolutely agree. Orlando Magic. Are they the best story, arguably, in the NBA right now? Right now, yeah. I just, Them and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. I, it's it's the Paolo and the Wagners and the Cole Anthonys, and it's the Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is the best story in basketball right now. God, he is just... I. Former Washington, number one overall pick, uh, has found a home in Orlando, and in a place where guards normally go to die, him and Cole Anthony are giving you such good production, along with Jalen Suggs, too, in the backcourt. He's kind of more of like a 2-3 hybrid. I don't know. Um, but yeah, both the Wagners are doing work. Paolo is as every bit as good as I thought he was um, when he came out. I just think this Orlando team is such a fun team to watch on a nightly basis. It's so fun when you got a group of young talent that seems to all just kind of like pop at the same time. Yep. You mentioned with Oklahoma City Thunder, but this Orlando deserve this. Orlando has been through some. Orlando needs this. I'm 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 not even kidding. Since the Dwight Howard, Hito Turgaloo, uh, Jameer Nelson, uh, <laughs> that whole era, right? Um, I think Rashard Lewis was also on that team. Um, they've had some rough times. I mean, they've had maybe like a playoff appearance or two, but outside of that. Um, yeah, nothing good. Because that was that was late 2000s, early 2010s when the Magic were like going to the finals or whatever. It's It's been a long time coming, and, the, you know, wonderful people in Orlando deserve this, and I'm just so happy yeah, for them. I it, fully agree. The, the Magic are no longer a team where I see them, and I'm like, oh, I got to see who the other team's playing, right? Like, I got to see who else they're playing if I want to turn on this game. No, I see the Magic pop up on my YouTube TV. Yep. I want to see. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I think them and Oklahoma City are the two best stories right now. Well, let's get into the Thunder since we've let's, kind of referenced them so much. Let's get into the Thunder, a team that somehow lets the Mavericks go on a 30-0 run and still win. I'm I'm proud of you that you came out and said that because that was going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. It would have been tough for me if I was on the other end of that. Yeah. So the Thunder did allow a 30 nothing run to the Dallas Mavericks, but somehow were able to still come away with the win, um, 126-120. to And they're doing this despite, you know, Obviously, off the court stuff, you know, in the locker room and everything. <laughs> um, look, Shea Gildas Alexander, there's nothing more you can say. He's a flat out superstar. Yeah. We need to see he what is. he can do in the playoffs, but I have no reason to doubt that he's just going to continue to produce because he, from an offensive standpoint, he does basically everything that you he's want. He's so frustrating to watch. <laughs> like, it's so I mean, just, like, yeah. So many shots that he takes that you're just like, oh, what was that? Money. It's a shot. Money. Okay, yeah. cool. He made it. Cool. Points. Whatever. Fine. And it's it's one of those things. He's he's so controlled in it. Um, you know, he does uh, <coughs> obviously you know lead the team in assists as well. He's just a playmaker, man. He's just a guy that you know you just give the ball to and he will create opportunities for others. Yeah. Um, most notably, also Chet Holmgren, who is looking pretty good for that rookie of the year race. Cooked, right cooked now. by Derek Lively, though. He did. Um, <laughs> in terms of like, I mean, hey, look, Lively to me is one of the best defensive young bigs in the game. Yeah, he is. He really um, is. Holmgren, though, averaging 17 and 8 on the season. And as a rookie, or proto, you know. He's a rookie. He's a rookie, right? Um, He's doing really well. He didn't play a game last year. He's a rookie. Yeah, you know. That's just saying. Uh, And then, you know, obviously... The Thunder just, again, they're another one of those teams. Everything's kind of meshing in together. You know, all those draft picks that it was just like, you know, the Thunder, one day, 
one day the Thunder are going to be really good. And it's, I feel like it's finally now like coming to fruition, but not to be outdone by the current number one seed in the West, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh my God. This I, team is so good. I, dude, I love Anthony Edwards. He's, oh my God, he's so talented, dude. He, to me, is such a throwback in terms of like personality type of basketball player, a guy that wants to play 82 games a night. He's not afraid to attack the basket. He's developed a jump shot that it's becoming more consistent. Great in the mid range. Yep. Can, you know, shoot off the balance, catch and shoot. Um, he is defense. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Those freaking pictures that you see with a split, the one that Andrew's referencing where you see, I mean, it's it's uncanny how much they look alike. It's nuts. Like, it's insane. Um, literally just Anthony Edwards has hair and Michael Jordan doesn't. Yeah. Um, but no, it's in, you know, in all seriousness, Cat looks so comfortable being the two playing off of Ant, who's finally stepped into the one role. Gobert, listen, we all knew what he was, but given the fact that he's not even looked at necessarily as like a main option on offense, yeah, like what he had to be in Utah, it's better for his game. Um, 2.4 blocks, yeah, that'll work. And then Conley, again, just to just be there, you know, veteran presence, you know, somehow always open in the corner. Just, like, he's, a, he's such a smart player, man. He is, he is. And there's a lot to like with this team. No, this team is young and... Um, well, not that young, but they are, they're younger, they're younger, they're young and they are motivated. Yeah, they are. And I love it. Yeah. Um, Denver, I I have no concerns with, I I understand that they're not off to the start that they were at the beginning of the season. This to me is a team that, you know, they're coming off their first championship win. They realize, okay, games in October, November, December, um, they're not the ones that we're sweating over. You know, this is a team that's battle tested. They realize what the goal is. They're still, again, you know, a team that <coughs> is just trying to in- integrate a lot of young players coming off that bench, um, trying to get guys that they can rely on consistently. Because, I mean, Reggie Jackson's been a revelation for them this year. Uh, Christian Braun, also the second-year player from Kansas. He's been really good. DeAndre Jordan is still giving them valuable minutes. Like, I, to me, Denver, um, the only thing I could see them potentially adding is a th- – a, potential scoring option from like the forward spot. Yeah. Power or yes. small yeah. forward um, to kind of, you know, also give Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic more help coming off the bench. Yeah. Outside of that, man, they, they look fine to me. They look like every bit of the reigning champ that they were last year. No, they're, they're going to be fine. Um, we can't look into the standings this early and say, Oh, no. I'm worried about this team or right. worried about that team. Like, cause right. bro, we know the NBA. Yeah. A lot of times comes down to like the last week. It does. Especially if you're in that kind of, you know, play in slash play not tournament, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, so yeah, and that and that's why I'm not afraid of what's going on with the Mavs right now either. I think Jason Kidd is a fraud, regardless, <laughs> and I hate what he's doing to my basketball team. But you've been on this for a while, to be fair. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. I will. To be fair, I will always think Jason Kidd's a fraud. Um, now the Mavericks have, you know, okay, so after they're winning against the Pelicans, they split with the Pelicans. They beat the Wizards, lost a couple to the Bucks and Kings. No shame in that. Yeah. Beat the Lakers, lost to the Clippers. Yeah. Um, beat the Rockets and lost to the Grizzlies and then the Thunder. The Grizzlies was rough. That one's a rough one. Yeah. Um, the me- Thunder, Thunder I'm not afraid of. Well, we also didn't have Luka against mm-hmm. the Grizzlies, which honestly should not make it's the Grizzlies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but right. congrats, Luka. He had a baby girl. Yes. Gabriella Doncic. Congratulations, Luca. So, um, dad mode Luca then showed up for the Thunder game 
and put down another classic Luka Doncic stat line. Yeah. 36. Yep. 18. Yep. And 15. Yeah. I. What? I, I will never forget the infamous, um, what was it, 60 2010 game that I was in, in attendance for? Yeah, that comeback yeah, against, against the, the Knicks. Knicks. Yeah. He's capable of having those virtuoso performances. The question about Doncic, right, if they're, there's not many. But the question about Doncic, right, is, you know, he's he's basically won everything except the MVP in the regular season, yeah. right? Like, he's clearly shown that he can carry a basketball team. He can lead a team to very successful heights. I mean, he led him all the way to the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. That's not the issue. Doncic is literally all postseason in terms of, yeah. like, getting over that hump. And uh, to me, he's playing at an MVP caliber level right now. That's, that's the expectation. I mean, he's one of those guys that you look at, and I can't name five. Uh, players in basketball better no. now. So it's like, you expect that from on a, on a given night, but you also, to your point, have to realize, like, this is greatness we're watching. This is... Without a doubt. This is just something that you do not see a franchise... As a franchise, I mean, you're a Mavericks fan, you tell me if I'm wrong, yeah. that you see, you know, come through every once in a while. Yeah. So... And lucky us, we had it back-to-back -back with Dirk yeah, It was a nice Luka. little transition. Yeah. yeah. But, that was your... What was it? Farb to Rogers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, Kyrie, to me has really kind of adjusted well. I, I still think... They're playing very well off of each other. Yes, and the, the supporting cast, is, to me, is the key. Because Kyrie, at this point, is who he is. Luka is who he is. You need the guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. You need Grant Derek, Williams. Derek Jones Jr., Derek Lively, Josh Green. Like, those guys have to step up. And if the Mavericks want to reach some of the goals that they reach... And ultimately, like you said, we're in December. Like the yeah. We said it all along. It doesn't start till Christmas. No. But just, hey... We're gathering data. Right the Mavs now. were missing most of their rotation and went on a 30-0 run and almost ended up winning that game against the Thunder. And I know almost don't mean much, but right. going on a 30-0 run is not something that should be overlooked, like, ever. 100%. So. 100%. Yeah, and then after that, man, I feel like anywhere from the Lakers down to the Warriors, those standings can shift night after night. They can. Yeah. The Go Warriors are still struggling. Yeah. Uh, Clay Thompson, dude. I've, I've been saying this. He's, he's just not it anymore. No, it's it's not good. No. It, this might be the end of... It, it is the end of the Splash Bros. I'm just going to say it. But. Yeah. And then, you know, Draymond, listen... Can't, can't stay out of trouble. You know, Kaminga's had moments, but not consistent enough. Uh, Wiggins, again, not the level that he was during that finals against Boston. Like, the Warriors just have to play better, and they're so Steph-reliant. They are. It's so insane. That ball has to run through Steph. If not, nothing's getting done. Yeah, because Chris Paul will try, but he's just not at the point in his career where he can uplift a bench unit at this point. Yep. Um. So it's it's a rough spot if you're a Warriors fan right now. Yep. Um. Moving, but just making sure I cover everything. Oh, Jaime Jaquez Jr. Outside of Wimby and Chet. My God, did Miami hit on another one? Yeah, bro. Golly, I, I get it that he's a four-year starter. He's twenty-two. He's coming to the league, you know, more mature. He's just a he's just a guy. But he's still coming into the league and performing well, right? Like done, like right. at the end of the day, that's, that's what that's what they needed, and they needed a guy that could contribute right away. And especially after they lost a couple of key contributors from their finals run last year, he fits exactly what they need him to do, and he's. He, to me, just is a winning basketball player. I remember watching him at UCLA, and just, again, he's not quick. He's not overly long. 
He's not, um, you know, going to beat anybody in wind sprints, I don't think. But he just knows how to play the game. And he fits so well into Spolstra's system. That Spolstra's system, excuse me. Um, he, again, is just one of those stories that, again, Miami Miami Heat culture is a real thing. And it's it's going to proof right now. It's crazy, man. They, <clears throat> they can't keep getting away with it. They can't. They can't keep getting away with it. Dude, it's just it's nuts. Um, but, you know. It is what it, it is. is, what it is. So. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Pinch monkey. monkey. <laughs> All right. But something interesting and new is going on. What's up? The in-season tournament. Yes. We have reached the quarterfinals. Yep. The teams are in Vegas now, right? Yes. So. Yeah. So it's um, currently right now, uh, Indiana is playing Boston. Boston's leading 59 to 53. Um, that to me, I, I trust Boston in that situation. But the fact that Indiana can play with a Boston now shows how far this group's yes. come along. Yes. Credit to uh, Mavericks' former head coach, Rick Carlisle. Yep. Credit to Tyrese Halliburton. And there was no doubt that Rick Carlisle is right. well, one he, of the best coaches in the league. Right. But he needed to go to a place like Indiana. Indiana's perfect for what Carlisle's trying to do. Halliburton, my God. Like I said, don't think there, you can name five guard, point guards better than him. Um, Bruce Brown, again, providing a championship level, just kind of veteran respect. Yep. Uh, Miles Turner's playing really good. Yep. But a heel. I mean, just the whole group. I just, I love every bit of it. Um, Milwaukee takes on New York. I would hope Milwaukee kind of makes a statement here because New York had uh, threatened, not really threatened, but kind of like gotten as close to non tampering or to, <laughs> yeah. to tampering without tampering. Yes. With yeah. a certain player in Milwaukee. And uh, I hope Milwaukee kind of just. Um, Takes it out on New York. Because New York's, listen, they're not what I thought they would be this year so far. But Giannis and company should handle business against them. No, I agree. And you know what? I'm interested to see mostly in these quarterfinals, semifinals, and final in-season tournament game. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of how the energy looks, right? Because right. now these games aren't counting towards the regular season, mm-hmm. right? They don't have a double meaning. Right. These games are just now simply for the in-season tournament. Right. You, do get some nice prize money, but yeah, enough to make a difference for a guy at the end of the bench. Yeah, know? absolutely. But it's also now knowing that this isn't going to benefit you at all in the regular standings. Yeah, are your superstars going to be playing at their highest level? It's fair. Are they going to be giving the full effort? Because these guys are on max contracts. No, I get it. Right, they're making twenty million a year. So more in some cases. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. No, I th- it'll be interesting for sure. Um. You know, after the Celtics matchup, we've got Kings Pelicans over on the other side of the now bracket. It'll be fun. Um, I'm expecting De'Aaron Fox and company to kind of take care of business over there. Uh, New Orleans does have a shot because New Orleans is kind of weird in terms of like they could play up to any competition, but also lose to anybody. They can. Um, and then it's the probably the biggest high profile matchup left in the uh, quarterfinals. It's Lakers versus Suns. That's going to be taking place tomorrow on TNT. To me. I look at this as Phoenix's opportunity to really announce themselves on a big yes. stage. Uh, the Lakers, listen, we know what they are. It's LeBron, AD. To be honest, if they lose this game, right, it, no one's really going to be like, hey, no. you know, it is what it is. Like, LeBron's, we know what the stage is in his career. Anthony Davis, we can't rely on him at all at this point to show up on a nightly basis. So, Phoenix, this to me, it's almost weirdly the way like they've got a little pressure to win because, like, Los Angeles shouldn't be winning this. They have no reason <clears throat> no. to up to. But Phoenix, 
for as many like rotation level guys and as kind of guys on like lower in contracts, right? Because you're obviously paying Beal, Booker, Durant, etc. Your uh, Yusuf Nurkic, like this, this means a lot to them, and it means a lot to their players, kind of towards you know the rest of the roster. And I, I kind of would expect Phoenix to win this one and make a statement. I I agree. Give me your uh, your predictions. Okay, so I mean. Well, the Boston one's already started, but it's I would have picked 63 Boston. 63 to 63. I'll pick it Boston. Okay, I'm I, taking the Pacers. Um, I I like that. I really do. I hope you're right, by the way. But I'm going to roll with Boston. Yeah. Um, For Milwaukee, New York, I, I kind of already kind of spoiled it, but I, I'll pick Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, Kings, Pelicans. I like the Kings in that matchup, and then I like Phoenix. Okay? I so think we have the exact same matchup else. except for Indiana. Okay. So yours is Indiana, Milwaukee. Who do you like in that matchup? I'm gonna say I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna keep rocking with Indiana. Okay, that's bold, <laughs> but I like it. Um, I'm gonna roll with Boston. They to me, up to this point, I trust them more in this spot than Milwaukee. And honestly, I kind of hope for a sake that Milwaukee looks at it and be like, okay, we need to kind of yeah. start changing things here. Yeah. So I'm hoping it's a wake up call. But I pick Boston to make it to the championship, and then over on the West side, I'm actually gonna take the Kings over the Suns. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm going to take the Suns over the Kings. That's fair. Um, I don't hate a Kings pick here. Um, But at the end, I see an Indiana-Phoenix final. Okay. And I want to keep rocking with Indiana and have Indiana winning the the inaugural in-season tournament. I have a Boston-Sacramento final, which would be pretty enticing. And I'm going to roll with the Boston Celtics taking their claim as not only the best team in the NBA, but their first in-season tournament bracket winner. Best in-season tournament team in history, question mark? I mean, hey, what other team can you argue? Nah, all right? <laughs> no one else has won one. That's crazy. <laughs> the only team to win, bro. That's nuts. Yeah, well, one of these eight teams does have a chance to become that first one. We'll see who takes the That's exciting, initiative. man. I, I, I've enjoyed the tournament. I think it's it's done what it's needed to do. Yeah. The ratings are up early in the season. Yep. Um, and, yeah, these – single game elimination yeah is so much fun like we can't deny that it is i i not, not for the the end of the season right but no but it, it does add an, a different element to nba basketball that absolutely. i think fans have been craving for yeah. a while yeah. so i agree all right man Ooh, <laughs> oh it's Getting time into the star of the show let's without any further ado let's break down everything in the world of college football <laughs> I don't know what happened there. College but. football broke Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, Florida State got. There was so many racial slurs in there. Oh, oh, chill, chill. No, I did not. I did not. So many. I apologize for. Oh anybody. my god. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, here's the Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally joking. That was, that was just uh, Andrew kind of took the reins on that one. I had to take him back a little bit. All right. We're going to roll, roll off um, the college football playoff rankings. I'm going to do one through 25, even though we're going to be talking about the top four. Um, the final college football rankings before the postseason are Michigan number one, Washington number two, Texas number three, Alabama four, followed by Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, 
Oklahoma, LSU, Arizona, Louisville, Notre Dame, Iowa, NC State, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Tennessee, Clemson, Liberty, SMU, Kansas State. Rounds out the top 25. We have our final four. Um, Andrew and I, really, and Connor, I would say, my brother, um, have been mainly the ones discussing this in the group, uh, our group text that we have over the weekend and hypothetical scenarios. You know, what if this team wins? What happens at that point? <laughs> all the way up to the point where At we the end of the day, them. though, we literally, at the end of the day, we were all just like, honestly, anything can happen. It's right. Yeah. No one was consistently uh, confident in their pick. I mean, I... I was literally only confident in Michigan-Washington 1-2. 100%. And I think that's what everybody in the yeah. country was confident. Yeah. Um, so, we came down. It came down to, obviously, Sunday. The committee, ironically, in Grapevine, Texas, at all places, yeah. um, made their selections. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama are in. Florida State, an undefeated Power 5 champion, is left out. It's number six, Georgia. Uh, also, will be playing them in a future bowl game in the New York's New York's New Year's Six Bowls. Jeez. Um, Andrew, I know you got a lot of thoughts on this. You're obviously representing the side of Florida State. I am. So I'm gonna let you just kind of take off. Again, keep the slurs <clears throat> to a minimum. I'm just oh kidding. Oh my I'm god. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He did not. Wow, Andrew, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, anyways, break it down for us. Why do you believe Florida State should have made the college football playoff? Look. I let me preface this with I understand why the committee made the decision that they made mm. after the TCU debacle last year is the argument a lot of people were using. And I think that is just a very weak argument because um, that TCU team still beat a Michigan team to get to the final. That Georgia team would just, was just not going to lose. So, I don't think you can blame TCU for Florida State not being included. That being said, if the if their performance in the ACC championship and in their rivalry week game against Florida meant so much, um, then why didn't you apply that same logic to a Georgia? who was in the game with Bama. That game was closed basically until the end. And um, again, Georgia shouldn't get punished for having to play an extra game. Mm -hmm. um, and look, I just think there's a lot of uh, not hypocrisy, contradiction going on with the committee's decision. Mm. Florida State is an undefeated Power 5 champion, mm. okay? Mm. They still won two games without Jordan Travis. I understand. Two and a half, technically. Yeah, Jordan Travis is an incredibly talented player, without a doubt in my mind. He is super talented. He fully deserved to be playing still, man. I hate that he got injured. But a football team is not one guy. It is not one guy. That defense is a championship caliber defense. They gave Florida State the opportunity to win the games that they won. You're going to punish the entire defense because Jordan Travis is hurt, even though they carried you to 13-0 and after? Like, it makes no sense to me that a team that is that talented all around is not given a chance. On top of that, 
the third string quarterback was not going to play in the semifinal. It's their backup who has a lot more experience with the team, who knows what's going on. He also practiced with the team the entire week until he just missed one check-in for his concussion protocol and then had to get benched because of it. Which that's also on him. Without a doubt, without a doubt, it is on him. But at the end of the day, like, are you kidding me? This third string barely got any reps. And he still somehow, he threw 55 yards, whatever. He wasn't fucking playing in the semifinal. That's not the guy that they were going to go with. Mm. So I just think it's a very, very cheap excuse to leave out Florida State. I think Florida State deserved the spot. A bunch of people do. And, um, you know, if I'm going to get asked who I'm replacing, I'm not replacing Texas. Texas is staying at three, but Bama's going to be out. So, so, all right. A lot to unpack there. Um, I appreciate you speaking on Florida State's behalf. Let me be very clear. I picked Florida State to not only make the playoff, I had Jordan Travis winning the Heisman. So if anybody realizes... I had Florida State winning the championship, so... (laughs) You had them making the championship, right? You had them losing to Georgia. No, I had them winning. Andrew, we have the graphic. Pretty sure I had them winning. No, you had them making it. Okay. Here's the thing. You can look it up while I kind of go. Here's the thing. You said the word deserve. Um, Deserve in life is a very overrated word, unfortunately. Um, It sucks that that's the reality, but it is true. (laughs) Alabama, you know, with their win over Georgia, submitted that Georgia should not make it. That's first and foremost. I had been kind of throughout this podcast year, been You're kind right, of I had Georgia winning. Yeah, so it's it is what it is. Um, here's here's my breakdown of it. Florida State, we, I understand that going undefeated in a Power Five conference with all due respect, is hard, and it's difficult, and they should... And their resume's still there. It's Here's the thing. Their resume isn't as strong of an undefeated season as some people would like you to believe. They went undefeated, yes. They had the 55th strength of schedule I know. against the team. The ACC, with all due respect to Louisville, they lost to a Pitt team and a Kentucky team that are not even close to being competitive in terms of the higher level. And Louisville... Again, wasn't able to even move this offense against Florida State. But then defense. there's an argument that Texas lost to an Oklahoma team uh, that lost. But that was on three in a neutral site, by three at a neutral site. Texas, to me, right, they did what they're supposed to do. And they had a bunch of close wins also with Malik Murphy in. You know, Quinn Ewers had some stretches there where he was hurt. They deserved to be in. We're not talking about Texas. No, I agree. Alabama, to me, you know, they had that loss against Texas earlier in the year. We've seen the committee do this, where if you have a loss early in their year, they do not hold it against you as much as a loss later in the year. Now, you brought up TCU. TCU was 100% a factor in this, 100%. It's no doubt in my mind. Because last year, TCU, you mentioned it, and you've mentioned it um, in our group text off the air, and we're mentioning it now. TCU in, last year got in after losing to, what was it, Kansas State in the Big 12 Championship Nine game. Nine Kansas State team. Right. The difference between that TCU team and this Florida State team was there was no one to replace that TCU team. The closest, I looked it up, the closest team that would have made an argument, quote-unquote, was a two-loss Ohio State team last year. There was no one-loss champion or anything else that could have superseded TCU to that point. And yes, they did have that win against Michigan, a Michigan team that, again, they won the Big Ten and everything and they deserve credit for, but that, that championship game versus Georgia is something that the committee saw and said, we cannot have that two years in a row. Even if Florida State rightfully deserved it, 
my whole thing is is that based on what we saw from Tate Rotomaker and then obviously the third string quarterback that I'm again we're blanking the name on, he, Florida State to me did not look like a top four team in the country. Which ultimately, if you want to sit there and say that they should have deserved to get in, you really should be blaming the NCAA for their whole practice of this college football playoff. And it's very fitting that this last one ended in controversy from the entire time yeah. that this thing started. It's been filled with controversy. From basically, you can point to any year. You can always say, oh, well, this team should have got in, or maybe this team should have given a chance, all this stuff. And Florida State fell victim to that. And if Florida State really is that team that everyone's thinking that they should be, they should have no problem going up against Georgia, who they're a double-digit underdog against, and showing what they're made of. If it's Fine. truly what you're saying. Because the thing is, Florida State, with Tate Rotomaker, is not beating Michigan. They're not beating Washington. They're not beating Texas. They're not beating Alabama, in my opinion. Those four teams that are the best four teams deserve to get in. And they put in each other conference champion ahead of Florida State. They got the Big Ten champ, the Pac-12 champ, the Big 12, and then the SEC. So... It's not like they put in an at-large bid. I get it. I so get it. So it's Look, it's no. It's I, I started it with saying that I understand why the committee did what they did. I just there's a lot of arguments that the committee made that I think can be debated. Oh, hundred percent. No, this is this is something that Florida State fans, if they go out and they beat the Georgia team, I will never. I'm saying this right now. If Florida State goes out and beats Georgia, I will never ever defend the committee's decision. At that point, again, and Florida State, as annoying as their fans, Florida State will have the right to be as annoying and as obnoxious and as relentless about this decision. Isn't that brutal, man? Yeah. The three teams really fighting for that spot are like the worst fan bases in sports. And here's the thing. UCF, right, with McKenzie Milton. We still hear about that season. <laughs> yeah. Right? So Florida State fans will probably do it anyway regardless. My whole point is, to me, I watched all the games out uh, TCU or not TCU, uh, Washington, Oregon. I unfortunately was working that night. I watched the other championship games. To me, the best four teams in the country were the four teams that made the playoff. I can't disagree. Can you also hypothetical because the you know playoffs been around now for what like a decade, maybe a little less. Yeah. Have you ever seen a playoff in which there are four legit contenders for the national title? I mean, seriously, Michigan, right? They are clearly, to me, from the line of scrimmage standpoint, all year. They ran through the Big Ten. They are clearly a um, national championship contender. That's who I picked before the year to win the national title. Washington. 2014 was the first year. So 2014, so it's been almost a decade. Bama, Oregon, Florida State, Ohio State. Yeah. Ironically, Florida State, right? So Washington comes in. They beat an impressive Oregon team that I thought... I said it last week when we did our podcast. I thought Oregon was one of the three best teams in the country. Yeah. And they beat them again two times this year. Yeah. They deserve it. Texas, with Quinn Ewers at the helm and with Steve Sarkeesian and all that NIL money down in Austin, they have built a low-key little juggernaut yeah. in Texas. Their offense and defensive lines are huge. They're massive. And then Alabama, Jalen Milrow, after getting benched earlier in the season— has come around, developed. This Alabama team's grown around him. And after a stunning win in the Iron Bowl, they go out and knock out a team with 29 straight wins and beat and win the SEC championship game? Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that any of these four teams could win the college football playoff. I get that Florida State has Dude, every right to be upset. I'm looking at the uh, <laughs> the college football rankings yeah. from 2014. And I'm just looking at that Baylor TCU 5-6, remembering 
the very first year of the playoffs, yes. everyone losing it's, it's, their absolute mind. Everybody and their mama. Like, if you go to any year and you look at the five, six teams or you just maybe just the five teams, there will be somebody complaining, oh, they should have gotten in. And that's why they're expanding it to 12. And you know what's going to happen? There's going to be... They're still going to complain. At 13, yeah. 14, and 15. Yeah. But the nature of it is... The, the 12 team is, I believe, the best scenario it for is, all this. Doubt, because every Power 5 conference champion is guaranteed a spot. Yes. You win your conference, you're in. Yeah. And look, if Tate Rotomaker and Florida State takes care of business at Georgia, I'll never say a bad word about them again. I thought they were... I had them making the playoff. You had them making the national championship game. Yeah. We all saw the talent. But at the end of the day, Florida State... I mean, look, if you're looking back at their wins now, right? You've got an unimpressive LSU game that, you know, LSU, despite Jaden Daniels, not really the best defensive team. You had Clemson, who we thought was going to be a really big win. They, I think, won eight and four. Yeah. Um, this Louisville team is not really that good. Um, I'm just trying to, like, there's not that many impressive wins on their schedule if you actually go back and look it. at it. Meanwhile, everybody else took care of business. And again, Texas lost neutral site by three. Alabama lost to the Texas team that was above them that made the college football playoff. I Florida State has a right to be upset, but unfortunately, life is not fair. And it's unfortunately, not, Florida the college State's football playoffs are not fair either. They aren't, and the, you really blame the committee because they have been they are because of the language that they use and everything. No one knows. No not one even knows. experts. No, know what it they takes to actually not. get into the playoff. So yeah. now they're they're saying, all right, we're going to make it twelve. We're no longer going to have these debates, and it's going to put a lot less stress on our soul- shoulders. And to be honest, man, I I feel sorry for Florida State, but ultimately I am so ready for this college football playoff. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped too. My God. Um, All right. You want to recap the games? Let's talk about the games real quick. You already touched on Oregon-Washington. Michael Penix Jr. had an incredible performance, and me and my roommates were saying whoever wins this game is going to win the Heisman, but – uh, I, I think we all know who's going to win the Heisman now. Jaden mother effing Daniels. Without a doubt. My God. He went to like a minus 800 after this game. Yeah. Here, and I'll, I'll speak on this game too because obviously, hey, I've got a quarterback that I've uh, had some takes with over the years. And you now have to own his jersey. I do. Um, it's on the way. Um, here's the thing. Penix, to me, I was nervous. I told my brother before that game. I was like, man, Penix has had a really rough kind of stretch of the season. He's kind of barely squeaking by. I'm not sure how I feel about this Washington team. And, and then they handled business. Penix to me, and then the quote afterwards. The freaking, we ain't right back yet. We ain't right back, though. Like Another team from like, Seattle. Seattle. I'm just like, you are pulling at my heartstrings, man. Like, golly. They just, they, man, they, they don't give two bleeps up there in the Pacific Northwest. And I'll say this about Bo Nix. So he... He honestly played a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, it, it was announced that he is playing in the Holiday Bowl. Yep. I believe it's the bowl that they're playing yep. in. Um, he had a pretty good game. He had a, that weird pick sequence with him and Penix where they both threw, yeah, threw bad Ill, balls. Ill-advised and everything. I still don't believe he's a first-round guy, but he, to me, is a product of Dan Lanning and the development that the Oregon program has had over the years. And he should take nothing away from this performance and his season because ultimately, I mean, he... We remember at Auburn, he was getting run out of town and from where his family had so much tradition and he, you know, reinvented himself. He uh, found a home in Oregon, in Eugene, and ultimately to even make the Pac-12 championship game when, again, we we said it. We thought Oregon was going to win. They were 10-point favorites going to the game. Yeah. Um, it's It sucks that they, for them that Could they didn't Could you imagine win. if Oregon had won? It would be an How interesting. chaotic that ranking would have been. That's what I'm saying for, you know, and it's... 
who knows what it would have been. But Washington was able to get the dub. To me, they when they want to. It, that's the thing with Washington. It's when they want to. That's when they really truly flex their muscle. Yep. And yep. credit to Michael Penix and the crew because they did a hell of a job. Incredible job. Then moving on to the 11 a.m. kickoff the next morning, the Big 12 championship. Man, look, from the beginning of this game mm-hmm. to the end, Texas was in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers set, um, tied a bunch Multiple of Big 12 records. championship yeah. records. Um, 452 yards for four touchdowns. He was also just extremely efficient. Um yeah. I mean, Oklahoma State, let's it, be honest. It, they, again, they're a team that, by the record, they got in and they earned and played the game. They were not the second best team in the Big 12. Nope. They were not. Brennan's Oklahoma. Oklahoma Sooners would have been a bigger and probably just a better test for Texas. But ultimately, it's the way it worked out. And you know what? That's the reason why the games were played. But that's also the result that you get. Texas kind of reminds me a lot of Washington this year, where they squeaked by. In a lot yeah. of really close games, but when it mattered, they showed up. They balled out. Uh, Adonai Mitchell is a dog. Oh, um, dude. Yes. Yeah. Him, Worthy, uh, Whittington combined for like ninety percent of their yeah. offense from the receiving yeah. game. They're insane. Yeah. Or so, from receivers. I should yeah. Say. Uh, touching real quick on the AC, on the AAC championship, SMU on their way out, headed to the ACC, uh, takes the. AAC championship 26 to 14 over Tulane where we were both wrong. Yeah, I was high on UTSA. Um they kind of had an up and down year. Tulane though was my god. Credit to them. Yeah. I didn't know if they were going to be able to carry the success that they had from the previous season. They did it, man. They really they showed did. their stuff. They did. So, credit to them. Massive shout out. All right, and then the afternoon kickoff, the SEC Championship. This was a close game. This one was kind of back and forth. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was just a good old-fashioned, just gridiron football game. Yeah. No, this is SEC football at its finest. At its finest. Georgia-Bama, always. Yeah. Which I'm getting kind of tired of. It's Here's the thing. Georgia, they missed a field goal early on that really honestly kind of put them on the back foot. They also had another play that I'm blanking on where they kind of didn't go their way. And that's the difference in a lot of these games. Yeah. And credit to Nick Saban, credit to Jalen Milrow. I don't know if you saw my tweet that I tweeted out, but it was the clip of David Pollock telling um, Nick Saban from last year's championship game that Georgia now runs the college football world. Yeah. And I quote tweeted and said, yeah, Nick Saban didn't forget. Nope. And he now has an opportunity to extend the dynasty we thought might have been over he has a chance now to even add to his legacy that much more solidify himself even more as the go so nuts uh and Jalen Milrow deserves all the credit because while I don't think he's a consistent enough passer to maybe play at this point at the next level he to me just is a playmaker he is a guy that can run you over he knows when to tuck it he's able to extend plays with his legs and Alabama, while they're not, you know, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddell, like those type of, Devonta Smith, like those type of receivers, I mean, Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton just make plays. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. And that's all you can ask for from if you're an Alabama fan at this point. And now they got a chance, man. There it is. And then the final two Power 5 championship games, Michigan 26 over Iowa. Why didn't you take the under? You could have had it. You could have had another. 
know. another under man i know but oh, uh, i insane. i yeah I, I don't care i want every single one that i bet on this year so hey get out while you're ahead I exactly I exactly that. i almost did it though don't worry <laughs> it was close <laughs> But yeah, Michigan handled business from the beginning there. JJ McCarthy really didn't have his best game, but he's also playing the best defense in the country. So yeah, I I was got something going. Here's the thing: they'll they'll be in the transfer portal again, looking for a QB. Dude, if Iowa just has competent a lick of offense, a lick, they bigger. they're the best team in the country. Debatably, yeah. No, they would be I, with the defense that they play. I here's the thing: I think stretch. Putting them above like a Michigan or a Washington or all that. I respect Iowa, but let's let them get a offense and then we'll see where we can evaluate. You're right. Them. You're right. You're right. I respect Iowa. Yeah. And then finally, the game that we were all talking about: Florida State sixteen, Louisville yeah. six. Um, not much to talk about here. We already said that Brock Glenn only had fifty-five yards. Um, he was eight for twenty-one, completely inefficient. He had a twelve point seven. QBR, um, right. Just Tolfili carried that game. Yeah, it's ten carries for 118 yards. So did Trey Benson, 16, 18 carries for 67 yards. Yeah. At the end of the day, which they had to, none of it mattered. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate, and this will be the season that Florida State will remember. Mike Norvell's built a heck of a program, though. And I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. They're gonna I mean, be, they're going to be active in the transfer portal. From being on the fringe of getting let go, because mm-hmm. people just were not buying they, they the Norvell hype. They weren't. To creating a team that went undefeated, won the conference championship, and was just one spot out of the college football playoffs. They're going to be just fine. They will be. So I agree. Um, moving on in to next week's game, the only game of the week, America's game, Army. Navy. <laughs> Take an army minus two and a half. Minus two and a half. All right. That's the play. Andrew's the one with the numbers. So I'll trust him with that one. Um, hey, you know, maybe Navy gives it a shot this year. Who knows? I like army though, too. Dude, Army's- Navy just has the coldest uniforms though. They really do. And they- only, only the best for our Navy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> only the best for America's military. Yeah. That game's always a lot of fun. It's so cool that it's the only game on week 15. Yeah. Like, it's that's it. I think that's one of the best. I, I think you nailed it. I think it's one of the best traditions in sports. Yeah. That it's, it's a standalone game. Like that's that. what you do on the Saturday after the rankings. You watch some Army-Navy football. Kind mm-hmm. of the adios to the regular football season. And then you head into the bowl games that literally no one gives a shit about. <laughs> hey, cash grabs, as Brennan would say. They are. That's all they are. I'm not going to no Independence Bowl. <laughs> um, all right. Before we get out of here, what? T- give me your biggest takeaways from the college football season, and what you'll. What? what you, My biggest takeaways. I want to miss it a lot for the next few months. Well, I mean, so you'll have bowl games, so you'll still be seeing it. But That's after fine. January, but, but yeah, after January, I'm gonna be missing it a lot. Look, point. The point is, is this? People are saying college football is dying, and that. NIL is ruining the sport. I disagree. I, I, I really you, I really think NIL kind of actually creates some equality across teams. Guys who are riding a bench who aren't getting the NIL check are going to start transferring to schools where they're going to get some money. They get to start. They get the playing time. They get the opportunity. Um, even if you're playing at a small Power 5 school, it's better than sitting on a bench and not having your face shown anywhere and not making NIL, any NIL money because of it. 
you have an opportunity now to grow as an athlete and to grow your own personal life and your own personal wealth, set yourself up better for the future. Um, you learn a lot about how to handle money and that was a big problem going into the league. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of players, they would get these checks. They don't get a second contract and then they're broke even though they made $8 million in four years. Yeah. I mean, it's it, NIL to me is, again, we'll see how they regulate it in future years. Which um, it will need to be. Right. Shout out to ESPN. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, my ESPN's down on my laptop, so that's why I'm on my phone. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, I don't know why. Uh, to me, I agree with everything you said. NIL, the transfer portal, everything makes the sport better. It gives the students the power um, when often cases they needed it. And I think it's great for the sport. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. there's just a lot of guys who, you know, get upset at the fact that, you know, guys leave schools and transfer. But that's the world we're in now, man. People complained about switching to the college football playoff. People complained about uh, BCS rankings all the time. I mean, it, people lost their mind when. Um, oh my god! <laughs> Take a minute. Take oh my god! Lost the Heisman, dude. Why? Reggie Bush. There you go. People lost yes, their mind yes. when Reggie Bush lost right. the Heisman, and now you're upset that players are actually getting paid. No, that's yeah. not how it works. These guys are putting. Their body's on the line for a school. They're getting an education at the same time. It doesn't matter. They're adults. They're grown. They deserve the same type of benefits for the work that they're putting in. Um, And if they want to go do that at a different school, that's on them. And they're allowed to do that. And you are a grown-ass man crying about college students. Get over yourself. I agree. Uh, I think you nailed it right on the head. I think the biggest takeaway I'll take away from the college football season was the fact that um, the sport is not dying. Like it is said. not. I think it to me, this is one of the best years of college football that I can remember. Just simply from the fact of parody. Um, we went into the season thinking, hey, listen, yeah, you, you guys like Georgia, I like Michigan. We didn't know if there was gonna be that level of competition. From the fact that the Pac twelve in their last stand was able to put on one of the best performances they've had in a long time. And then they just died. Texas, Oklahoma. I get it, you're not the fans of either of those teams, but the fact that those two were able to put the seasons that they had on. Um, freaking the SEC, uh, Georgia, Alabama, having the freaking rivalry culmination that everyone expected. You know, you had the college football controversy. Uh, it's It was everything and more that I could have ever asked for of the season. And, yeah, I'm just ha- very excited to see how it ends. I love college football. I cannot wait for next year. I'm going to be back on my Texas Tech high horse. You already know it. Um, we'll see if me and Brendan are. Yeah, I, I don't blame you if you're not. Um, <laughs> look, at the end of the day, Micah Hudson's going to win us a Big 12 championship. So <laughs> We'll see what Dion and company has to say about that. Yeah, seriously, man. That's going to be nuts, bro. Dion's going to be in Lubbock, Texas next year. That's just something, too, man. Next season's going to look way different. It's going to be... I think next year's going to be so freaking exciting, man. There's going to be incredible matchups all around... New conferences, new looks. The Pac-12 is going to be dead. Um, good riddance and onward. Okay. All right. Um, anything else? That's it, man. Let's take it over to the big boys in the NFL where we had a lot of good action this week. Bon, 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 bon. All right. Let's get this one out of the way. I'm wearing my Seahawks jersey. Uh, starting off Thursday night football, 
This is a game you can be proud of, Colin. I, here's the thing. I it was proud, but I never liked talking, especially when a fellow co-host's team beats another one. Like that one's always tough to swallow. And the fact that I got to see it in person live, th- here's the thing. That's probably one of the best losses I've ever been to. How about that? You can celebrate your brother being yes. happy. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Um, the Seahawks lost to the Dallas Cowboys 41 to 35 in Jerry's world. Uh, I was at the game personally. I was on the field. Speaking of Deion Sanders, I ran into him and his son Shadur. So that was pretty cool. Um, that was one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, that was arguably the best Thursday night game of the year, I think it's safe to say. Uh, and Dak Prescott and company balled out. Uh, 29 of 41, 299 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Tony Pollard had a touchdown. C.D. Lamb had a heck of a day, 12 for 116 and a touchdown. Ferguson, Cooks also got in the end zone. Geno Smith and the Seahawks. I'll say this, from watching all their games this year, that was the best the offensive looked all year. Given yeah. the circumstances, too, with the Cowboys' defense, Geno, 23 of 41, 334, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Zach Charbonnet looked pretty good. Uh, added his, He scored his first NFL touchdown, so he that's did. nice. DK Metcalf. Three touchdowns, um, was absolutely having himself a day. Jackson Smith and Jigba had a really good performance, but ultimately the Cowboys were able to prevail. And I got to say this, and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Dak Prescott is a a very big candidate to potentially win the Most Valuable Player Award in the National Football League. Say that one more time. Dak Prescott. Whisper it this time. Dak. (laughs) Dak Prescott. If we were doing the Heisman voting today, or Heisman voting, MVP voting, would be on my ballot. And I just, oh, can't, I can't believe I just said that. He's been phenomenal. Ever since the bye week, the Cowboys have been a completely different team. Yeah. Um, Dak has reinvented himself. He's committed to not turning the ball over while also at the same time being aggressive. Him and C.D. Lamb's connection is top five in the NFL. And I just, I, I, I've been so impressed with Dak's play and to seeing it up close and personal. I, again, you know, you've got your Jalen Hurts. You've got your Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes, I guess, because he's Mahomes, deserves to be up there. But even then, I think it's, I think it's Lamar. I think it's Jalen. I think it's Dak. And people are putting in Brock Purdy. I don't believe it. Brock Purdy, no. no. But Dak, 100% is on my MVP ballot at this point, and he's got a dang good shot at potentially winning it. I can't believe I'm saying those words. Oh, my God. That's insane. John maybe wasn't as crazy as we thought he was. That take, <laughs> my God. Was so hot. Was so hot. And he, for those of you who don't know, John, uh, Andrew's longtime friend, uh, a guy who's in our fantasy football league, he came out, and I'm not going to quote it because I don't have the full video or whatever, but basically said something to the extent of Dak Prescott's really good, he's better than Josh Allen, and he's going to show all you MFers why he's so good, um, for lack of a better term. And, John, I'm here to say, if you're listening to this podcast, congrats, buddy. That's probably one of the weirdly right takes that I've ever experienced, and... Listen, we still got a lot of football left to be played, but up to this point, I got to give Dak his credit. And yeah, he's insane. Like that's he. This is the best version of Dak Prescott. And I'm also going to give this guy his credit, Mike McCarthy. He, the Cowboys, are well on their way to their third straight 12 win season. Now, ultimately, 
it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. It's all about the postseason. Yep. But McCarthy this year, I can't remember the last time I've looked at a Mike McCarthy game and thought, yeah, this is on him. McCarthy has been. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, of- uh, the games, maybe not, but that man, we're still the most penalized team in the NFL. But which, that's, that's, if you figure that out, dude. Well, so was Green Bay whenever he was in Green Bay. So, like, no coach is going to be perfect. Like, Shanahan still has blunders in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Bill Belichick can't figure out offense. Um, Nick Sirianni can't, you know, it's control just his just t- has the most punchable face in football. Yeah. Well, he also can't control his temper tantrums. Like, there's no perfect QB. Like, everyone's going to have their issue. But McCarthy is the best version of himself, along with Dak Prescott, along yeah. with CeeDee Lamb. I got to just give credit where credit's due. Dallas, and I told you this, and you kind of laughed at me a little bit. They now, and we're going to talk about the rest of the games, they now are going into a game next week where they could be in first place of their own division. I just, I don't. Okay. Well, look, there, it's there. I don't know what you want me to say. Oh, man, I get it. I understand. Um, but you know the pain I have been through, <laughs> and I no, like you said, be happy. I'm not also, setting myself up for this pain. Also, last note on the game before we switch gears. So me and Connor have gone to Seahawks Cowboys games for as many as we can go to. We've gone to literally Seattle. We've gone to Jerry's World. The whole thing. That was the first time where me and Connor were both in attendance in the game that the Cowboys won, and the Seahawks Cowboys. That's little, it. The curse is broken. We're winning the is. Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying anything, <laughs> but I'm saying congrats, Connor. Um, you deserve that one. And the fact that he got to experience the on-field pass and all that stuff. That's so cool, man. Uh, what a cool experience. That, no, that was a bucket list. I Like, I I don't know. Other, it's it's insane. Yeah, I'm it's still, a really cool memory to make with your brother. It was. And yeah. he really enjoyed his time there, and I'm glad he did. So. That's awesome. Uh, moving on to the rest of football world. We'll go into Sunday where we went from arguably the one of the best games to one of the worst. The Chargers. Knock off the Patriots, um, six to nothing. Uh, this pisses me off because now Brandon <laughs> Saley is going to get to talk about how, how he held a defense to zero or held an offense to zero. Excuse me. Yeah, this is one of the worst offenses in NFL history. Bailey Zappi should not be an NFL QB, um, and neither should Mac Jones. <laughs> yeah, and Eckler. Here's the thing: Eckler didn't have the greatest game. Fourteen carries for eighteen yards. This whole Chargers thing, I it's got a Staley stench on it. Uh, awful. And awful Staley stench. And he gets to live another week. And it's, I don't like it. I really don't like it. And I just, <laughs> this was such an ugly game. You realize, you know how much the Chargers were favored by? Five and a half. They covered by scoring six. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, my God. Great teams win, good teams cover. No, good teams win, great teams cover. There you go. I Chargers, listen, they're, what are they now? Five and seven. They're still in the playoff race somehow. Somehow. We'll see if that continues. Moving on over to... It's one of those games. It's surprising, but it's also not. The Arizona Cardinals win 24-10 versus Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett gets injured in this one. Uh, He's going to have surgery. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. Kyler, 13-23, 145 yards. He also added 20 on the ground. James Conner, in his return to Pittsburgh, had two touchdowns. I'm so so done with Mike. I'm so done with the Steelers. They're going to get to nine wins. They're going to be nine and eight. Yep. And they're going to hit 500. He's going to keep his streak going. And it's just, they are in such a... I think that's that's the one determination on if you should fire Mike Tomlin or not. If he has a losing season. If he has a losing season, that's it. You're done. Because of that. Dude. At that point, something's gone terribly fucking wrong. Because again, now they got Mitch Trubisky. And 
Lord help us. Oh. It's such a can't believe Mitch Trubisky is playing starting football in the year of our Lord 2023. And I just I I feel for everybody who has to watch Steelers games from now on because it's just been it's not been great. Like we finally thought last week they turned the page. Yeah, you know, Matt Canada's gone. Yep. they had their most yards in the game in forever. Yep. And, and then bye, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, um, <laughs> I have something about the Steelers when we talk about next week's games. Okay, just wanna. All right, yeah. Oh, trust me. I, I, my, I may have a feeling of where you're going, but we'll see. Okay. Um, Colts, Titans, in one of those just weird AFC Souths. It's a lot of fun. Dude, it's, not, it, it's just a fun football here's game. Here's the thing, because we run through the games, and you kind of, you'll sit there, and I'm not picking on you, but you'll sit there and be like, oh, that's kind of like a whatever game, like that's kind of yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, some of these games are low key bangers. Yeah, and they Gard- end up being bangers. Yeah. Gardner Minshew versus Will Levis was a banger. All it right. was. Minshew. It was. Brendan would be on the table for this one. Yeah, he would. Man, 26 of 42, 312 yards, two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown to Michael Pittman in overtime. Um, look, this Colts team, the main takeaway that I, I'll take away from this, because um, no Jonathan Taylor, Shane Steichen should be in the running for Coach of the Year. Yep, without my a doubt. God. Without a doubt in my mind. Shane Steichen. I said this when I made my predictions um, before the season. I said... I don't know how quickly he'll get the ship rolling, but I think Anthony Richardson landed in one of the best spots because of this man. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense has not looked the same. Nope. They've lost both coordinators, granted. Yeah. And Shane Steichen, my God, is just one of those guys that, you know, he proved his genius. He he got a spot, and now Indy's 7-5 and five with Gardner Minshew starting most of the games. And going to probably make the playoffs. I, they're in the playoff spots right now. Yeah. They're in the final one. Which is crazy. I, uh, Absolutely insane. I got to give credit where credit's due. That's incredible. All right. Moving on to probably the most anticipated 12 o'clock game. Let's call it that. <laughs> Denver versus Houston. Um, CJ Stroud. Stroud must- boys stand up and stand by. CJ Stroud is the most must-see TV. It's, it's Without confirmed. a doubt. It is. Like he is. Rookie of the year lockdown. This man could just be ass rest. Uh, by the, the way, season. when we were talking to MVP earlier, that's another name that I forgot to mention. Yeah. CJ Stroud deserves to be in that conversation yeah. too. Getting back to the game. Rookie of the year. <coughs> right. Oh, lockdown. Lockdown. Yeah. Um, Stroud wasn't even particularly like dominant in this game. He was 16 and 27, 274 and a touchdown. He the Texans had a lot of trouble in the red zone. Um, they had to settle for a couple field goals. They kind of relied more on the run game there. And it also doesn't help not having Tank Dell. Which he unfortunately is gonna be lost for the year. Broken fibula out for the year on a run play. He just got rolled That's up on. That's one of the worst bones to break. Yeah, and it's... Here's the thing. We really... Stroud was emotional after the game talking about Tank Dell. Um, he really considers him a brother. Yeah. And it's going to be one of those... We'll see. You know, Nico Collins obviously is going to do work now, and we'll see how the Texans' offense looks without Tank Dell. But I would imagine Stroud's got those boys ready to compete. He's got some dogs, man. Now... Russ and the Broncos running on a five-game winning streak. That obviously came to an end. Russ threw a late pick. He had three on the day. This Texans defense, Will Anderson, my God, had a coming out party. Yeah. He was disruptive from the The start of the game, dude. He was in that backfield snap after snap after snap. Here's the thing, too. And I'm going to kind of break down. So, credit the Broncos, they unfortunately came back down to earth. I still think they'll be fine. They got a tough couple of games coming up. Yeah. Um, We'll see what they look like. Here's the thing about the Texans. Right, so a lot of people, including myself, were kind of concerned about the trade that they made in the draft, getting both Stroud and Anderson. Yep, they've got a quarterback, most valuable position in sports, yep. or most valuable, excuse me, in football. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to start that argument. 
Um, it's the point guard. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, edge rusher, right, which is a very important position. Laramie Tunsil's still there, so they got the offensive left tackle. Here's the thing also, too. Um, yes, mask, Laramie Tunsil. I, l- listen, <laughs> one of the best left tackles in football. Uh, all time. He's single-handedly carrying that offensive yeah, line. Yeah, he is. Derek Stingley Jr. I don't know if people remember this. He was taken above uh, Sauce Gardner, one pick ahead yep. with the Texans in that draft. Yep. And everyone was like, oh, Sauce is so this, Sauce, 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 Sauce. How's that working out for them? Man, Stingley with that clutch pick on Russell Wilson. Yeah, He is more fluid he can travel he doesn't he's having a better year than sauce and under D'Amico Ryans my god that's the dude that you want to learn under too yes and D'Amico's so loved and so respected here to me I love I love watching D'Amico on the sidelines man yeah he's just emotionless yeah he's just oh yeah and he's he's just level-headed he knows how to get guys into their right state of mind yep and along with Tank Dell which unfortunately is injured, those those that core is just like, we sat there, and we were going into the season, like, all right, Trevor Lawrence, like, the Jags got this division on lock, yeah. right, for the foreseeable future, until one of these guys maybe develops, whether it was Richardson or, I guess, if you viewed as Stroud. Now, I mean, like, we're sitting here looking like... Are this the Texans- division's going to be so fun. Well, not only that, Stroud and the Texans are probably the favorites in this division going forward. I mean, I understand Jacksonville's going to win it this year. They've got off to such a hot start, and they should probably take care of business. Freaking, um... The Houston Texans are built not only to win that division, they may be a low-key Super Bowl contender in yep. the AFC for years to come because of this young nucleus that they have. My God. And if Ben Swolick is somehow able to stay for next year, I'm telling you right now, look out, rest of the NFL. Look out. I agree. My God, the Texans are a force we reckon with. Cowboys, Texans, Super Bowl, calling it. <laughs> I mean, hey, who knows at this point? Um, that would be insane. The state would blow up. It would be insane. Yeah. Um, getting back here to the game. Sorry, my phone. It's just been crazy. All right, moving on down. Detroit versus Saints. Another low key. Yeah, it was. It was probably not as good, but it was, it was still kind of banger. Thirty three twenty eight. This is this is really the first time this season that I look at the Lions, and I was like, all right, the Lions are clearly a very good, very talented football team. Yeah, but I started. I saw a lot of spurts of. Worst defense in the NFL Lions yes. last season, this game. Yes. A lot of it. A lot of it. They did have, what was it, the pick by uh, Brian Branch. Aiden Hutchinson, I think, had a couple plays in there. Yeah, but, but outside of those two, it's really rough for Detroit. Yeah. Um, They were able to pull out the win, Um, even though the New Orleans Saints came and marched back and made it close. Um, To me, the Detroit Lions are a tick below the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles in the NFC. Like, they're that clear fourth team. Like, I would expect them more than likely to probably, like, it's those four that will be in the um, divisional round. Mm-hmm. But the Lions are the clear team below. Right. Um. So, Goff, 16-25, 213, two touchdowns. He was able to keep the turnovers under wraps this week, which was good after his previous two weeks. Um. Jameer Gibbs, Dave Montgomery, the two-headed duo. Didn't even have that much productive game. Montgomery no. did get in for a touchdown. Uh. Sam Laporta, my God, nine for 140 in a touchdown. Um, the Saints, Derek Carr got injured in this one. Jameis Winston um, took over uh, in typical Jameis fa- fashion. He was very erratic and nearly threw a pick in the game. Um, but yeah, to me, this is all going to come down to Dennis Allen. How much of a leash does he have in New Orleans? 
because I don't know why. I mean, I get the defense is pretty good under Allen, but I just, I'm not necessarily a fan of him as a head coach personally leading my team if I'm the Saints fan. And <laughs> no. I think Derek Carr's a whiff. He I was know the, a few Saints fans and they're not happy yeah. at all. And I think, you know, Carr, worst signing or worst move any team in the NFL made. Yeah. Awful. Whenever the Saints finally decide to hit the reset button, I get it, the Aints and the, the you know paper bags and everything. Like Saints fans probably still have visions of that from pre-Drew Brees, Sean Payton. Um, they need to hit the reset button. They just need to reset this franchise, get out from all they this need cap to, they need, Yeah, they need to not make a single move until that cap is it's like... Fixed. It's fixed. Because they are so in the red, it's not even funny. It's as red as that salsa you're eating. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Detroit moves on. Like I said, they got a pretty easy schedule. So record wise, they might be pretty high, but like I said, I think they're a tier below those other three teams. Yep. Moving on over to another just beautiful NFL game. If you want to call it that, uh, some might call it beautiful 13 to eight, the Atlanta Falcons knock off the New York jets, Desmond Ritter, 12 of 27, Ugh, 121. <laughs> Bijan had 53 yards on the ground. Kyle Pitts led them in receiving. It's nice that they're getting Kyle Pitts involved, I guess. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon. Uh, Tim Boyle, who got benched for Trevor Simeon, they combined <laughs> for 19 of 30. And now there's discussions of letting Zach Wilson start again, but he might not want to play. Which Sala came out and disputed those reports. Who knows what's going on there? Sala feels like he's losing the locker room maybe a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, Xavier Gibson, uh, the standout from Hard Knocks. I don't know if you remember. Yep. Um, he had the game-winning kickoff or punt return yep. in week one. He had a breakout game, five for 77. Um, yeah, this team is cooked. Like, they are just bad. so not in a good situation right now. Um, you know a team that is in a good situation, though? Miami Dolphins. Miami. Uh, so two and we, on, baby. Yeah, two and on, Tyreek Hill, the whole crew. 18-24 um, for two, a 282 touchdowns. Devon Achan in his first full kind of healthy game back after, you know, getting injured in his previous game, had two touchdowns. Tyree Kill, my God. Uh, he's going to be the first receiver with 2,000 yards. Oh, yeah. Uh, five for 157, two touchdowns. Thank you again for starting him in fantasy. Not You're that welcome, man. Yeah. Him and uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike Evans, Evans. Yeah. did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they freaking kicked my butt. So before this game, I have uh, a friend who plays prize picks. Yeah. And they sent me their picks. And um, <laughs> one of those picks was Tyreek Hill under 105. And under. I said, I love your picks. The only one I do not like is Tyreek Hill under 105. She switched it to Tyreek Hill over 21 fantasy points. Got it done. Nice. Nice. Happy for that person um, yeah. and their winnings. Um, Shout out to fellow gambling addicts. That was messed up. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> Shout out to fellow friends who like to gamble. You are just setting a shining example on this podcast, aren't you? <laughs> it's all right, kids. You should gamble. Yeah. Um, Washington, to me, um, Ron all Rivera. Money. <laughs> Ron Rivera's, um, I think, on his kind of last stint. He probably yeah. will make it through the season, but I would expect him to probably get fired. Washington, to me, is just a team at this point. They are just a living carcass, um, kind of strutting around. Sam Al just... Yeah, interesting. Moving on over to the aforementioned uh, Mike Evans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Baker Mayfield and company got the job done. Baker, 14-29, 202 is not great, but when you got Mike Evans on the field yep. and Rashad White, apparently you could just 
do whatever you need to do. And uh, Evans, seven for 162, one touchdown. He becomes the third wide receiver in history to get uh, 10 1,000-yard seasons. He's the first to do it consecutively, obviously. Yep. Um, he's tied with Randy Moss for second, only one behind the late, or I almost, the great Jerry Rice. Um, he's almost said late. I almost said late and great, like almost like as if. Yeah. And I was like, that's no, not, it's not. Let's not speak that into existence. Right. Yeah. Knock on wood. Um, Bryce Young, to me, honestly didn't play that bad of a game. It's, but that's the thing when you're the number one overall pick saying not that bad's not great. Yep. Um, when CJ Stroud is clearly outperforming you. Yeah. Chuba Hubbard, 25 for 104 and two touchdowns. He had a really good game for the Panthers. Um, Panther. Listen, man. Yeah. They, they're just. They're a messed up organization that doesn't have their first round pick. Pinter. Yeah, they're not good. All right. Uh, actually, you know what? We'll do. We'll come back to the that. Of one. course, we'll do. Of Bra- course, we Browns will. Rams. Um, Joe Flacco got the call on this one. For he the did. Browns. Twenty three or forty four. Two touchdowns. Two fifty four. This offense looked comparable. Yeah, it they looked did. okay. It looked like a Joe Flacco offense. And very very quietly, to my dismay. The Los Angeles Rams have gotten hot. Matthew yep. Stafford, 279, three touchdowns. Kyron Williams had one on the ground. Sean McVay said jokingly afterwards that he had Kyron Williams on his fantasy team, um, which he obviously said he was kidding. Yeah. Um, this Rams team, man, I mean, Puka, <laughs> Puka Nakua, four for 105 and a touchdown. Puka! Um, they, they, again, they could be one of those teams that's going to be fighting probably with Green Bay and Without Seattle, a doubt. Minnesota for that Kind of last couple of the NFC is kind of competitive, man. They are. So is the AFC, though. Yeah. Honestly, it's all competitive. AFC is more top heavy, whereas the NFC is more much more, yeah. Wild card heavy. You have your top three, and then very clear, and then everyone else is pretty much fighting. Right. And then the NFC South, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then there's there's NFC South. So, yeah, the Rams, listen, I I don't, like I said, as a Seahawks fan, I don't love it, but as a NFL just enjoyer, they're a pretty fun team to watch. Oh, they are. And, any Sean McVay offense is going to be fun to watch. That, Dude, he's just so talented. He, he gets forgotten a lot because, you know, you have so many, like you have Andy Reid, you have Kyle Shanahan, you've got all these superstar head coaches where McVay's the one that won a Super Bowl pretty recently. So, you know, so did Andy Reid. Yeah, true. Well, Andy Reid's won a bunch of them, but I'm saying like Sean McVay deserves his flowers too. Give McVay his flowers. I agree. I agree. Um, now to America's Game of the Week that really wasn't. Um, in terms of drama, yes. But in terms of on-the-field play, it was a one-sided affair. San Francisco 49ers dismantled the Philadelphia Eagles. Fuck you, Philadelphia. 42-19 to in Philadelphia. Um, Brock Purdy, 19-27, 314, four touchdowns. Caffrey added 93 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Devo Samuel, three total touchdowns. He had the Black Air Force energy before the game. The whole entire team showed up in black. Yes, Um you know, Jalen Hurts. They knew what they were about to do. 26 of 45, 298, one touchdown. Um, he was pretty much the only engine going in this offense. I mean, A.J. Brown also had a pretty good game. Um, here's what I'll say. So, the Niners, me and Brendan, so we, in our in our preseason predictions, he had Eagles over Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I had Chiefs over Niners. I believe the Niners are the best team in the NFC and the one team that really can dismantle any other team in the NFC when yep. they're fully healthy. Well, that considering is, the fact that they have literally dismantled the top two yeah, other teams in the yeah, league. Yeah, literally. And it's, they, if they're healthy, which is their only question in my opinion, yeah. that is the only thing stopping this Niners team from yeah. reaching the Super Bowl. I agree. The Eagles, they just signed Sha- uh, Shaq Leonard, former Indianapolis Colt yeah, linebacker. Real, real needle mover there. Hey, listen, 
from their linebacking core, I, I'd say it is. Because did you watch? Uh, so there was a linebacker. He's kind of bounced around the league. And Nicholas Morrow. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw his highlights from that game. He <laughs> Lowlights? lost Christian McCaffrey in coverage on that wheel route. Yep. He could not tackle Debo Samuel in one-on-one, which is never good. Never, not easy to be to understand, but the Eagles linebacking core has been Howie Roseman's one kind of weakness yep. in terms of drafting and developing. Yep. And they now shine, sign Shaq Leonard. Um, it's a really, really rough look um, if you're an Eagles fan because I don't know if you saw this. There was like a graphic that floated around social media. Since 2018, uh, the number of blowout wins the Super Bowl champion has had. And obviously the Eagles have the best record. They're looked at as a Super Bowl contender. If you looked at since 2018 in terms of blowout losses, which is essentially double-digit losses, right. um, every team since 2018 has had at least six the Eagles, I believe, only have two. They do not blow teams out. They've been kind of squeaking no, they by. Don't. I mean, you got to think about the fact they went to OT with the Commanders twice. Yep. They've been blowing so leads they, left and right. So they beat the Dolphins by 14, and then they, <clears throat> let me see, they beat the Bucks by 14. The Bucks By 14. Those the, were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those are the only two teams that they've beaten by double digits. Again, historically since 2018, I know it's kind of a reasonable but fairly recent sample size. Damn, the Cowboys have a good amount. Yeah, the the Cowboys, listen, I think at this point, I said that the Cowboys would make the NFC Championship game. I had them winning their division at the beginning of the year. I'm just saying, going into that matchup next week, if Dallas handles business, Eagles are kind of sitting there now looking up because they're not only second in their division, but they moved to fifth in the conference because it's obviously the wild card. And, yeah, this was definitely not the performance, if you're an Eagles fan, that you want going into that Cowboys game. Nope. Their back seven is so reliant on their front four. They are. that like, Badly. Here's the thing. They brought in Kevin Byard. He's been up and down. Darius Slay, we respect Slay, but he's yeah, getting on the older side now. He is. Bradbury, I mean, Debo Flau said it, trash, right? A big name, right? But yeah. maybe not the guy. Um, you look at also just their linebacker core. We just, you know, they had to sign Shaq Leonard for crying out loud. Yeah. I just think that the Eagles have a very big issue on defense, and I'm not sure if Jalen and that front four on the defensive side are going to be enough to lift them up. They've been enough to scrape by some of these wins, and they're listen. I love Jalen in the clutch, but now you're about to start seeing teams, yeah, a second time, yeah, and teams later in the year, and you know you're really starting to see the progression of losing coordinators, which is yep. highlighted it, man. Yep. Gannon being gone, Steichen being gone. Like this team, I don't believe in my opinion is built for a Super Bowl caliber run. Now yep. we'll see if I'm wrong, but I just, I don't know, man. I'm not confident. In this <laughs> team. You know, something that I've loved these last few weeks that I've noticed from Dak. What's that? Um, this just kind of reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. He's got this new cadence. Well, here we go. Yeah, that, yeah we, I, I love it. In, in person, it's, oh, I got yelled at that as I was leaving the Cowboys game. So many fans would roll down their window. They'd see my jersey and they'd be like, here we go. And just drive by. <laughs> that's, that's, that is creative. That's one of my I, favorite I, cases. No, and that's what I'm saying. I respect that because that's go. creative. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eagles, we'll see what they look like. Obviously, going to Dallas, we'll talk about it and preview that game in a second. Yeah. Sunday night game, uh, the game where the refereeing was not great. Oh, my God. It was so bad. Worst ref game of the year. It's up there. I, the Chiefs, remember the Chiefs-Jets game earlier? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, the one? first game of the season. One first game. Or it was, yeah, the Chiefs' first game of the season. No, Chiefs' first game of the season was against the Lions, dude. 
No, you're, you're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. It was like week three. I yeah. think one of those. Yeah, you're right. But um, Chiefs lose in Green Bay to the Packers, twenty-seven to nineteen. Jordan Love, twenty-five to thirty-six, two hundred sixty-seven yards, three touchdowns. AJ Dillon looked like a comparable back. Uh, Mahomes, one touchdown, one pick, two ten uh, throwing. Isaiah Pacheco got ejected from this one, if you remember, eighteen for one ten and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey led the way with four for eighty-one. Here's what I'll say: um, two parts. So for the Packers side, I had said I think it was I think it was also week three. It may have been week two or week four, somewhere in that first month, where I said I am not sure if uh, Jordan loves it, and I said I was out on Jordan Love. Um, him in his last three to five weeks, him and Lafleur got some cooking. I think Lafleur yeah. is kind of like let the reins go. He's playing more freely. He's showing his stuff. His receivers. Along with him have grown. Now, obviously, Christian Watson, we hope the best for him. Also, he got injured. LaFleur just doesn't lose in December. So. No, he doesn't. He's undefeated in December. Um, he, to me, uh, he, to me, Jordan Love, I'm speaking of, is growing with this rece- <coughs> young receiving core, this young tight end group. They're, again, another team that we kind of mentioned that could be a sneaky playoff contender because their schedule really lightens up. This Chiefs game was supposed to be their one, quote-unquote, like, loss. They weren't expected to win, and they just wouldn't want it. So now the Packers have an easy schedule. Um, now the remaining ROS is. Here's the thing: I sold all my Jordan Love stock. I'm gonna. I don't know if I can really buy it yet because again, it's such a small sample it's size. A little high right now. Um, but I think I might just have to purchase it because it's you know it's gonna get potentially hotter. So I might have yeah. to try yeah. to do that because listen, I'll give credit where credit's due. He's looked really good these last three to five weeks, and I gotta give him credit from the Chiefs side. You you said this text and I, I'm not gonna call you out for it, but I think you 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 correctly noted that this Chiefs team is not the same team from last year. You said the Chiefs team might be bad. I was like I, difference yeah. between bad and I, not elite. You know what I meant. Right. Though. No, no, I know. You know I didn't mean bad. Right. But my boy Patty could never be bad. Uh never. But his receiving <laughs> core can be awful. Travis Kelsey can look older. Um, yes. Andy Reid's not as creative without Eric Bieniemy also helping him. Um, Do you think that Taylor's going to dump him now that she knows <laughs> they can lose? I, dude, I, I could care less to be honest. I'm sorry, with all due respect, I could care less. Wow. I listen. You, if you want to date Taylor Swift, by all means, cool. I, I, I care about Travis Kelsey, the football player. <laughs> That's. I'm sorry. That's just my opinion. If you want to be on the Taylor Swift hype train, I get it. But yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah, big football guy over here. You know. Whatever. <laughs> What do you what do you think, Andrew? I'll let you answer that question. No, I think they work really well together. I think they're really cute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you like that? You like that? No. You like that? <laughs> um, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, he deserves that one. All right, and then the last game of this week is currently being played, where the Jaguars and Bengals um, Monday Night Football. We are recording this during this game. Uh, and Brandon McManus only has two points. I swear on my life, if Brandon McManus can't get six points, I don't know what I'm going to do. McManus, I need you to clutch up this half, please. Please. Um, 14 to 14, third quarter, Bengals have the ball, and they're driving 12 minutes, 45 seconds, roughly. All right. Moving into next week. We've already kind of hinted at some of these games. Uh, I'm just going to roll right. through them. Hold on, hold on. Got to talk about New England Pittsburgh here, real quick. I was going to start with that on one. On Thursday night. I was going to start with that one. Okay. All right. Um, Sorry, I thought you were just going to roll through like highlight games. No. This is as highlight as a low light may be. Um, <laughs> That's very good. I like the way you said that. I have uh, made a decision. Oh. Oh, no. The over-under on New England-Pittsburgh, 
27 and a half. Oh, God. You're, no, you got it. <laughs> Hammered. <laughs> Bailey Zappi versus Mitch Trubisky. Hammered. Uh, what was the, what was the number? Sorry again. 27 and a half. My God. If that, that might hit. 27 I mean, and a half. I mean, Chargers Patriots. It's hit. hammered. The Patriots have allowed. I've already put 30 on it. Did you see the stat that ESPN put it out? No. Uh, the, what was it? The Chiefs, the Chiefs win a stretch where they only allowed like 10 points. They were like 4-0 in four games. Right. The Patriots were the first team in NFL history to, to allow 10 or fewer points and be 0-4. Like, it's so bad. That's Jamar, awful. Jamar Chase just got a touchdown. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, here's what I'll say. Oh, good for Justin. I know, right? Um, this game's going to be ugly, and yet I think Pittsburgh's going to come away with the win because they just get wins like this. And we are slowly getting close to a world where the New England Patriots might have either Drake May or, dare I say it, Caleb Williams, and I don't like it. Patriots fans, listen, y'all don't deserve bleep. After all that freaking goatness that you had with Belichick and Brady, I just, I, I don't know, man. That's It's becoming more and more of a reality, and I'm like, if one of those guys hits, I just, I'm not ready for the Patriots to get. The NFC deserves quarterbacks, by the way. The NFC deserves they do. quarterbacks. They need more young QBs. They do. We can't get by with Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. As you're, and Dak's not even that young anymore. Like C.J. Stroud hit for crying out loud. Like Houston yes. needs one. Like, come oh on. My God. Anthony Richardson will eventually come back. Like, come on. Uh, all right, moving on into the Sunday games. Buccaneers, Falcons, big NFC showdown, potentially for first place. Cool. Uh, Falcons, uh, here's the thing. Falcons are going to win this division. I picked them to win it. Yeah. They're going to win some ugly way. Because yeah. I don't really trust Baker in the spot, but Mike no. Evans is gonna, still going to catch 100 yards for it. This so. is going to be like that 7-9 uh, and nine Cowboys team that made yeah. the playoffs like a few years ago. Yeah, and look, you know, Cincinnati's looking good right now. They take on the Colts. That could be a low-key banger if, that, if Jake Browning yeah. can continue to maybe put it together. Who knows? Yes, yes. Maybe a Gardner-Minshew-level shootout. You never yeah, know. Honestly. Uh, Texans take on the Jets. We completely skipped Detroit-Chicago. Oh, mine's after. Mine's lower. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. Um, yeah, Jaguars-Browns is the next one I got. Um, Trevor Lawrence takes on Joe Flacco uh, in the year of 2023. <laughs> the Weirdly, though, I, what I'm a not... sentence. That could be... That could be an upset, low key. Kind it of could. Thing. It could. Browns could play defense on a Jaguars offense that's looking. I of haven't shaky. pulled out the Joe Flacco as Joe Flacco elite meter in a long, long time. But boy, I'm glad it's back. Oh, you and Connor are just gonna. <laughs> I can already tell what's going on. Um, elite. Yeah. No. Um, elite. No. Uh, Jets. Texas. Here we go. Ah, yeah. uh, gosh. That's that's like, out of everything that happened the past week, that's the only thing that's, like, got me slightly annoyed. Dog. Yeah, I know. Um, Jets, Texans. Texans, C.J. Stroud has a game. Yeah. And who knows yeah. who the Jets are going to have at quarterback. Yeah. I, God. Yeah, it's going to be bad. That's awesome. Um, we'll go to my next one's Rams-Ravens. That's a sneaky game because the Ravens' offense has not looked good ever since Mark Andrews went down. Yeah, not... Not at all. And I know Baltimore's defense is still arguably the best in the league. We'll see what the Rams, they're, they're coming in hot. This could be a Green Bay, Kansas City situation, dare I say. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lions, Bears. Uh, last time these two teams played, Detroit barely squeaked it out. Will Justin Fields be able to in rattle In Chicago. Off? Maybe another win? Who knows? 
Um, yeah, it's in Chicago, so who knows? That that could be a low-key upset pick as well. Um, Panther Saints. Uh, oh, boy. Talk J- about a good old-fashioned hey, mid-off. Hey, listen, Jameis Winston. Mid-off. We'll make it entertaining some way or another. He'll keep Mid-off. Bryce, he'll keep Bryce Young in it. Mid-off. <laughs> Maybe they'll put Taysom Hill back there. Sicko alert. Sicko <laughs> alert. Right. Uh, moving into Seattle versus San Francisco. God, I hate that they're having to play him again in three weeks or whatever. Uh, San Francisco coming off. Here's the thing. San Francisco maybe off a little of emotional high going against Philly. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And, Seattle looks and the best. Seattle wanting to avenge a close loss to the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, we, 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 if we don't win this game, we are seriously in trouble. Yeah, you going need forward. it really bad. So we'll see. Um, moving on down here, we've got the Vikings Raiders. Joshua Dobbs taking on Aiden O'Connell. Again, another one of these games, it, you, you're going to say mid. But it's it could be a low key banger. I'm Mid off. I'm just saying, man. Mid off. Um, Kevin O'Connell's been in the works. So is the game good because both teams are good, or because both teams are mid? Uh, but either way, still I would still take a good mid game. I don't care. Uh, Justin Jefferson also comes back in this one. So. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, here's Today. one: Buffalo, Kansas City. Kansas City obviously coming off that tough loss. Buffalo um, coming off a bye week before they lost to the Eagles. So listen, both teams need to win, and Kansas City at home. These games are always so fun, too. Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I, I love it. I'm assuming this is the game of the week. It I, yeah, be. it has to be America's game of the week. It has to be. Um, and Because it's damn sure not Denver, L.A. Yeah, I think, yeah, right? Denver, L.A., Chargers take on Russell Wilson and the Broncos after coming off their first loss. I think the Chargers low-key have a really good shot in this one. They do. Sure. I do. Here's the thing. Denver, to me, this, again, another one of those games is going to be ugly, but it's going to be just a... Yeah. It's Sean Payton over <clears throat> Brandon Staley, but Herbert over Russ. So who who matters more? Mid off. <laughs> Again, you you keep saying that. We we literally just talked about it. It, it could happen. Mid off. All right. Uh, we'll save the Sunday night game for last because these Monday night games we can run through pretty quickly. Green Bay, uh, New York. Uh, Jordan Love. Congratulations, Willie, Green I, Bay. I know. Cause seriously, he's going up a pretty easy test. I feel like uh, they could get rolling here on Monday night, and then Titans, Dolphins. Shout out to uh, and Tyreek. Tyreek might have 200 this game. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> he might. He might. At this, and at this current rate, who knows? He may just be like, Coach, let me try to get 2,000 this game so I don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, the Dolphins at home, minus 13 and a half point favorite. Anyways. Woo! Sunday night, the game, the big game. Eagles travel to Jerry World what? to, to what? take on. That kind of triggered something. What? What is the game of the NFL? Like the... Oh, the like Michigan. Ohio State, yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Happens every year. I think, it, because the thing is, is, like, that one, Eagles-Cowboys is up there, but if the Eagles are bad or, like, the Cowboys are bad, it's I'm like, thinking, like, a, like if, it has to be with the Cowboys. But I'm thinking it, it depends on who's good. It's either the 49ers. Yeah. Because, I mean, you remember the but hype around that game this but, year. But, again, the game happens every year. You don't play the 49ers every That's year. That's true. That's true. It, uh, damn. This for this season, this is the game. How about but that? But like the the best rivalry in football, in NFL right now, I think <sighs> has to be Cowboys Eagles. I don't know. Niners Eagles is pretty big too. I'm not gonna lie. But, but they don't play every year. I know. But like <laughs> Cowboys Eagles and there's respect division. Sure. But also Cowboys good. Niners. Cowboys. But again, they don't play. So it's like and the same Cowboys way. Steelers. Steelers. When the Steelers are good. Yeah. When the Steelers are good. That's what I'm saying. They yeah. wouldn't be the game at that point. I don't know. Personally, and those are my three most hated teams: the Steelers, the <laughs> Niners, and the Eagles. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we got the Jer- game of this year. Yeah, the game of this year. 
Um, I like the Cowboys in the spot. I really do. I think Eagles, here's the thing. They're going to come in more focused, and they're going to come in with an attitude. They might get a little shovey, a little altercation-y. Will the, will the security guard potentially get involved again this week? Probably not. Um, well, hopefully not. Uh, I like Dallas at home. I think CeeDee Lamb has a good day against the secondary. I think Dallas's O-line is able to contain, for the most part, the Eagles' front four. And Dallas's defense is humming, and they're looking really good. Not Again, last week's short week, Thursday night football. Well, technically for them it wasn't a short week because they were coming out for Thanksgiving. But they're going to have more rest. Than the Eagles. And I just really think Dallas... Less travel. Yeah, comes away with a very well-earned, hard victory. And I like it for Dallas. Just like I don't bet on my own teams, I am not going to predict my own team. And also, I would like to round back to a prediction that I made earlier. The Pacers have knocked off the Boston Celtics. Well, so there goes my tournament pick. Yeah. What was the score? Uh, I don't know what the exact score is, but all I saw is that Halliburton hit a dagger four-point play. So, um, Anyways. That right. being said, I think we wrapped it up all in the NFL. Let's take it over to our final, yet not lowest segment. The best one to end it on this day in sports. The last but not least, is that what you were going for? Whatever. Words are hard. How long have we gone in this episode? Almost two. Yeah, let's, let's kind of wrap it up. What here, did buddy. you say? I don't know. You'll hear in the music. Final but not lowest segment. Yeah, final but not lowest segment. Yeah, I was trying to say, like, last but not least, but without saying that. <laughs> okay. Way. That's what I was trying to say. On this day, we're going to take it to Twitter first. We're on this day in 2004. Adrian Peterson breaks a bunch of tackles en route to a 32-yard um, 42-3 win. Sooners route over Colorado. AD finished with the game with 172 yards on 28 carries with three touchdowns. Also, the infamous Kobe Bryant one-legged three-pointer Fuck. over Dwayne Wade. Why'd you take two in a row? Oh, because I was just doing the Twitter one, so that way you can have the... Fuck. You can do, you can do whatever one on the other page. 108-107 win over the Miami Heat. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. There's plenty of good ones on here for you. Kaka. <laughs> yeah. All right, you're up. In 2007, Milan's Brazilian midfielder, Kaká, <laughs> is named the best football player in the world. First in which play, uh, first year in which players from clubs outside of UEFA feder, 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 Are you okay? What just happened? <laughs> what just happened? I just, had just, a, I just had a glitch in my simulation. You, I was about to say, did you... First year in which players from clubs outside of the UEFA Federation are eligible for nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! What just happened? Oh, dude, this one's a fun one. 2010, and yep. it's only fun because uh, of the team that's involved. 15th Big 12 championship game. The number 10 Oklahoma beats the number 13 Nebraska Cornhuskers back when they were still in the Big 12. 23 to 20. Um, <laughs> on this day in 2018, ownership group Seattle Hockey Partners, led by billionaire businessman Davis Bonderman is unanimously granted an NHL license by the Board of Governors to start play in the 2021 season at Key Arena, now later known as the Seattle Kraken. Shout out to the Kraken. 1977, the NFL played its 5,000th football game on this day. Cincinnati beat Kansas City 27-7 in that game. 
All right. And let's see. Do you have one more after this, or should I round it out? Uh, on this day in 1996, the Orlando Magic tied the NBA record of fewest points scored since the inception of the 24-second shot clock, losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers 84-57. to My God, what happened in that game? All right. Well, that is going to conclude episode 64 of the Good Time Sports Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. From myself and co-host Andrew Maloney and our co-host Brendan Carson is not here today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Good Time Sports. Make sure you check us out. Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, also on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you get us, make sure you tune in. Get us at us, get at us on social media, wherever you want to hit us up. We'll respond. Peace. Here we go. Peace.